All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. I'm your host, Andy, and as always, I'm joined by my friend Sam. Sam, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm doing great, Andy. The, the, I'm not complaining about it. It's a terrific problem to have, but it's, it's becoming more and more difficult to describe how I'm doing at the beginning of these episodes because... Again, the last time the Beavers did what they've done recently, I was in seventh grade and had a much different outlook on life than I currently do. But what a ride yesterday was. Yeah, what an absolute ride. We've got a lot in store for you today on this podcast. We're going to break down Oregon State's triumphant victory over Utah. We're going to do a little preview of the Duck game. And then we've got a special interview with author Bud Withers talking Old school Oregon State action. Um, we've got it all up and coming for you. But first, as always, the Oregon State fight song. Hell yeah. We earned that one, too. Oh, yeah, that felt good. That felt real good. <laughs> so, Sam, uh, Oregon State beat Utah on uh, Wednesday, 75-70. to 70. Uh, What are your takeaways from the game? This- um, well, simply put, probably the craziest Oregon State road game I can remember watching ever, especially in, in the month of March. I mean, when you consider how late in the season it was, the way that both teams shot the ball so well for so much of it, all the dunks. Very uncharted territory. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah, it was really entertaining. I uh, I know I've gotten a little bit of flack for declaring Morris Dunk earlier this year, the best Beaver Dunk in a long time. And people were saying, pushing back and saying, what about the Jared Cunningham uh, Dunk of the Year Dunk? And First off, I was there in person for that game, and I saw that dunk in person from the student section, so I think I know what I'm talking about. But second, maybe I was wrong, because I felt like the dunk he had in the first half where he punched it on the kid, kind of LeBron-style to the side, was... Very, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Carlson is is a permanent meme now. I mean, it used they used to say he got put on a poster. Well, it's the NCAA, so we can't do that anyways for reasons that make absolutely no sense. But also, it's a meme now, and yeah, that was literally a perfect four seconds. Yeah, that was that was insane. That was maybe one of the highlights of the year. So that was cool. Um, Gianni Hunt went off this game, seventeen points, uh, balled out. A classic Gianni game where he's all over the place. Some of it good, some of it bad. <laughs> I think this is the first time in his two-year career where this is this was his game. I mean, there, he's definitely played really well in a lot of games and hit big shots and been that spark off the bench. But he can be pretty hit or miss and helter skelter. But he was the player of the game to me. Yeah, definitely. He, yeah, he was definitely the player of the game. You could maybe give it to Jared Lucas, who had 16 points, but I don't think he was as impactful as Gianni was on both ends. And kind of an off game from most everybody else. Worth had a double double, so he was playing well. But yeah, and because the of the two dunks he had, he was in the discussion for a little while. But uh, down the stretch, Hunt was so huge. The three he hit at the from like 35 feet, yeah, to put him up seven <laughs> at the end of the game. Made that had me believe. Yeah, definitely. That was that was cool. Um, I was curious as, as I was watching the game. I was like, "Is Timmy Allen a lottery pick now?" I was wondering if he's made Sam's lottery because he he looked a lot better. We kind of hated on him before, but he looked a lot better. Is he a lottery pick now, Sam? 
He is not. I, I have decided that I do not like Timmy Allen. Um, it's more of a like, I don't like his face thing. Is, but he, his jumper looks really, really weird. Somewhat, it's go, that is going to get fixed once he becomes a pro. Um, I think that, again, I, I, I like my comparison that he's a little better prospect than Trace Tinkle, I think, was at this point a year ago. And he is only a junior. Um, one, once we get to the offseason, I'm going to make a definitive list of my Pac-12 lottery picks. <laughs> and um, we'll see how absurd I, I get when I really put them all down in front of me. Yeah, definitely. Um, on a side note, I, I am excited to see the Timmy Allen, Teddy Allen brothers reunited in some random Australian NBL team to see them ball out together. That will be cool, and I will stream that. I think that could happen in the G League in a number of years. <laughs> so keep your eye out for that, because, yeah, the best part about Timmy Allen is his brother, Teddy Allen. That guy is a baller. <laughs> Go um, Nebraska. Go Nebraska, yeah. Okay, so with Oregon State's huge win over um, Utah, we now move into sixth place in the Pac-12, overtaking Stanford as a wise man named myself once predicted at the start of the season. Sixth place, and here we are. Wow. Yeah, that inter- – go back and check that one out. That was – you said that prior to the UP losses. You said that after they beat Northwest University, right? I was riding high on an NAIA victory. <laughs> we were so excited after that game. And it turned out to be right. And right now, also, Oregon State is technically, while they are sixth place, technically they're fifth because Arizona self-banned from the tournament, so they cannot be in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, so that means Oregon State right now would have the fifth-place seed they would get that crucial first round by um, shout outs to Arizona men's basketball for being a truly cowardly institution. Uh, the the self ban, the one year postseason self ban that really suggests that they should be getting a lot more than that. If like they weren't punishing themselves, but Sean, I would gladly sacrifice a year of this team for you guys to stop poking around in what I've been doing over here. <laughs> right. I, do you think that he like sends Book Richardson money in jail or like commissary? Yeah, he sends him cigarettes. <laughs> something because he'll never get another college basketball coaching job again. I'll be an agent. Um, okay, so <laughs> Oregon State has one game left in the season, and that game is verse University of Oregon. This is huge because if if UFO wins, they will win the Pac-12 outright. If Oregon State wins, we will stop UFO from winning the Pac-12 outright. You see, you see what's on the line. <laughs> You're right. A top half finish again, sixth place, but really it's fifth because Arizona did what they did and decided that that was okay. But anyway, yeah, it's so huge game. The stage has been set. I think both teams are playing the best they have all year. Definitely. Both teams are on fire. U of O just beat UCLA um, to kind of knock them out of the running for Pac-12 champion. Um, Or at least keep it interesting, at least make it so U of O can decide their own fate. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, U of O, they've got all their players back. Duarte's looking like possible Pac-12 player of the year. I think he might have eclipsed Oscar De Silva just in these last couple weeks. He's really been balling out. And, yeah, I think it'll be a classic Civil War game where I don't honestly know what's going to happen. I hope the Beavers win. Yeah, I, I, I will say before we spew some more hate in their direction that I watched the game last night or most of it uh, – and they look good. Like this is 
be aware that this isn't the same team the Beavers beat. They they were missing Duarte. They were missing LJ Figueroa in that one, and maybe somebody else too. Right? Yeah, yeah, they were missing several more players. Yeah, be aware that this is not the same team. This is this is to me at the start of the year. I thought this was one of uh, Altman's better um, teams. They also have Nick Johnson back. Who um, or is his name Nick Johnson? Um, the old. Oak Hill point guard who was hurt at the start of the year is back now. Uh, Will Richardson. Will Richardson. Yeah, not Nick Johnson. He was the old Arizona guard. Sorry, I get, I get my Pac-12 guards. <laughs> no, no, no. I think that's an apt comparison, honestly. Yeah, probably. Um, he's back in the fold. He's a great shooter. Um, yeah, they're really looking good. So I don't know. I, as much as I love the Beavers, this is going to be a tough game. This will truly test if this is the promised season. This is the promised season regardless. We, the the Pac-12 tournament is a full go at this point. I mean, I know there was some question whether they were going to do it or not for a while. So um, we'll take uh, – what I'll say about Oregon is that they're probably the most balanced team in the conference. I don't know that I would necessarily say the best, but they kind of have looked like it lately. Yeah, I think, I think what's going to be key is that Oregon, while they are really good, they're a more guard, wing-heavy team. They don't have a lot of true post presence. So I think I think there's no way – I'll say this. I'll say this. There's no way Silva will have a better game than what he had against uh, Stanford. <laughs> I think I'm picking up on what you're saying. and there, Yeah, there is zero chance, Andy. You are correct that he, he replicates what he did in the second half against Cal or – the way he's, he's not going to play the way he did against Evan Mobley. Yeah. When they, when they met in Corvallis. It won't happen. It's off the table. It's not even in my mind as huge as it would be as much of an equalizer. It could be hypothetically if Silva were to give them easy baskets late in the shot clock and, and provide a, a block shot or two as huge as it would be. It's just, yeah, right. It's a, it's a pipe dream. All right, perfect. So now that we've got our jinx out of the way, um, we thought we have our first, we have a guest on the podcast. He's a special guest to us. He's the first guest who wanted to talk to us. Um, <laughs> his name is We're uh, moving Bud up in the world. We're moving up in the world. His name is Bud Withers. He's an author. Um, he's been a longtime journalist in the Northwest for the last like 40 years writing about college basketball. He's got a lot of great stories and he took us down a sweet memory lane of the seventies era, Oregon state university of Oregon civil war rivalry. And it's really enjoyable. So check that out. Um, and stay tuned. We're going to be right back. All right, we're here with Bud Withers, uh, basketball historian, author. Um, I don't know, but how would you describe yourself? Oh goodness, uh, you're probably <laughs> you're probably flattering me on both counts, but uh, you know, got a you know, I was a I was a sports writer in the uh, in the Northwest for 45 years, and 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 much of the, those early years were uh, as an OSU uh, basketball beat writer for the uh, Eugene Register Guard. You know, I covered the for 11 years covered, uh, you know, Ralph Miller, including his best teams. And then, you know, I was a columnist in Eugene and, and in that capacity was, was, uh, you know, around, around OSU teams a lot and so forth. So, um, you know, mainly been throughout the breadth of that 45 years, you know, pretty much covered college basketball and college football, probably 95% of those, those years. 
Wow, right on. Cool. So you're a wealth of knowledge. I love that. And we're glad to have you on the Peyton years. Um, Sam, I think, is the person who got in contact with you. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, bud. Did you see you found us on Twitter? How did you find out about the Peyton years? Oh, man. Yeah, it had to have been Twitter. Um, I I do Facebook, but but those are the only two social media things. And I'm sort of sporadic on Facebook, but I, I do uh, follow Twitter pretty closely. So so I'm sure it had to had to have been on Twitter. In fact, it seems, it seems like it was on it was on a game night, maybe about a month or six weeks ago that I I ran across it. I mean, an Probably. OSU game night. Yeah, right. We try <laughs> to get vocal on there. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's our Twitter star. He runs our account. He's really. It was good to see we got that much outreach with our like fifty followers. Heck yeah, we're growing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly between Bud, Dan, Dickow, Xavier. Yeah, we've got us a, a little like a little list of celebrities that were accumulating. Yeah, very true. Um, so, Bud, you're still you're still watching Oregon State basketball pretty closely, and uh, me and Sam have been loving this season and this team so far. I know you've got kind of a duck background, so do you want to bring us back down to reality, or what? What's your thoughts on this season? No, I, I I'm with you. I uh, you, you can't help but be impressed with what they've done. I mean, they've got a chance to be to be uh, above 500 if if they can beat Oregon on Sunday, which which right. obviously would be a tall order, but. I mean, you know, to go to Utah uh, as they did last night and win, and and uh, you know, especially especially with the background of that dark period in December where they lose to Wyoming at home, and then I think that was at home, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you know, I watched the uh, the the game with with Portland, and and of course, Portland's been just a doormat in the West Coast Conference, and 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 to see Portland beat them and Corvallis, you know, you're thinking, holy cow, this is going to be a really, really bleak year. And, um, you know, to their credit, they didn't, uh, they didn't let that happen. And, you know, it's, I I can't say that I follow them so closely that I can really tell as well as you guys can, you know, what, what might've turned that around. But, but I have watched them at, at, at fairly long stretches at various times. And it's, it it just seems to me that they're way more purposeful than they were during the Trace Tinkle years. And taking nothing away from Trace, but but uh, it oftentimes seemed to me that that he was shooting too much and they were relying too much on him. And 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 it it just didn't seem to me that it, it seemed to me there was there was a lot of shots in the past that were. I don't know, kind of taken out of the offense or whatever that, that were sort of forced and, and, and he forced a bunch of them because of the freedom that he had. And I don't know, it seems to me that the, they're doing a better job now of getting the ball inside and, and they have, they have several different ways to score. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's pretty impressive, you know, as looking at the uh, looking at their stats and, you know, overall, they don't shoot the ball all that well, as, as you guys are aware. And, uh, right. So, you know, you, you, you sort of ask yourself, well, how, how are they doing this then? And but Yeah, but that's do. a common question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, they uh, they do defend the three really well, and, and that's such a big part of today's game. And, and, and they shoot free throws well, very well as, as well. So, um, you know, whatever – magic potion it is i don't know but they're 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 have they're putting together a nice season 
yeah, a great season for the last like 20, 30 years of Oregon State basketball. And I think really what it comes down to, I don't, I hate to speak in like basketball jargon that doesn't mean anything, but this team has so much grit, you know. I think that's really what it comes down to. I think all the early losses like you were talking about to UP, to Wyoming, then the huge beatdown by USC. I think they had a real and Wayne Tinkles talked about this kind of in the media. They had a real come to Jesus moment where they looked themselves in the mirror and they could have really let it fall apart, but they decided to come together. And yeah, I do think people are playing with a lot more purpose, a lot more intensity and it seems like it gets higher as the season goes on. Well, in the Tinkle years, I would agree that it kind of trails off towards the end of the year, and it definitely seems a lack of clarity. I don't know, Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I'll use one more. I, I think purposeful, especially offensively, is a really good word um, to describe the way they play and have been playing lately. And I'll use one more cliche, and it's that I think after – it was the Arizona game that where they lost by – Oh, yeah, the Arizona game. Sorry, I um, just – I think that they found their identity. To quote uh, Mike Riley, an overused cliche of his was uh, on the football field was that we have to find our identity. And what that means, I, I've never totally understood. But I think <laughs> in this team's case that, that they, they've accepted that they're not the most athletically gifted or biggest team probably in the conference, but that they're gritty. You know, they take care of the basketball better than most teams do. And, uh, <laughs> In many ways, kind of an old school team, right, Bud? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's, it's so important to, to, you know, to have the the culture right and to have guys that that get along with each other. <clears throat> Excuse me, frog in my throat. Um, <laughs> because you know, you you get you you have a a loss like that Arizona loss which was and I did watch a bunch of that I mean it was just horrific and uh you know you have a loss like that and 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 things can begin to fray and and guys can kind of go their own way and and think what the heck are we doing and what are we you know what's what's the end game here and whatnot and and somehow you you got to keep guys you got to keep guys engaged and, and keep their nose to the grindstone and, and somehow get a message across that they, uh, you know, that, that there's, that there's something out there and that there's, that there's potential to be reached and, and whatnot. And, and I guess that speaks to culture and, and you'd have to credit them for, uh, for, for some of those really down moments like the, the Portland loss and the Arizona loss and, and, and say that they've really rebounded well from those. Yeah, I honestly, I think this is Wayne Tinkle's best coaching job in my mind. I know he's been to the NCAA tournament before, but to me, this is his best coaching performance. I've been really impressed with how he's been able to guide the ship. And I think the seniors have done a good job. Ethan Thompson, I think, is a good leader. I think Zach Reichel is a good leader. It seems like they they don't necessarily come down hard on the other players, but maybe good leaders by example. And so I don't know. I was kind of wondering what you guys think about Coach of the Year for Tinkle. Is he in the running for Pac-12 Coach of the Year this year? If the Beavers can possibly finish as high as fifth place if we beat U of O on uh, Sunday. So I don't know. Is a fifth place finish when you're projected to start the season last place? Is that a big enough jump to to get him in the discussion? I think he's gotten there personally. I mean, we're obviously the, the Oregon State men's basketball podcast. I, I, I don't think we can be the people to say that he still needs a win or he needs to do something in the tournament, especially when, yeah, he was forced to answer the question, you guys are picked to finish last again in the, okay. the, uh, at media day. And so, what, Bud, do you think he needs to beat uh, Coach Altman again tomorrow? Well, or Sunday, rather? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that it would – 
that it would be that clear cut. I, I think he's got a definite shot. I, we were, I was actually talking about this <laughs> coincidentally last night with a bunch of old friends in, uh, in Eugene from, from the register guard. And uh, it strikes me that there's not a real clear cut alternative where you'd say there's uh, this, you know, if it wasn't for him, you know, yeah, Tinkle would right. be the guy. Right. I mean, you know, most people thought that it, it would be Cronin if, if they beat Oregon and then went on to, uh, you know, if UCLA went on and won the regular season title, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, you know, the only other guy I thought of the, who I think is a pretty popular guy among Pac-12 coaches is Tad Boyle. Um, you know, yeah. they've had a, they've had a pretty nice season. Um, I don't know that it was anything totally unexpected. So, so that he would, not have that going for him, but, um, you know, and, 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 and maybe, I, I don't know, maybe Altman figures in if, if they, uh, if they win the thing and people look at it and say, well, they, you know, they had, you know, their share of COVID interruptions and so forth. And, you know, that would be hard to deny, but I, I, I certainly think, uh, I, you know, I certainly think if, if people take in the, the breadth of it and, and the, the idea that, you know, people really didn't figure that the Beavers would be better than maybe tenth if that. That that you know, he's de- he's got a definite shot. Yeah, I think I think the Beaver bias will sway fans to. I'm going to predict Andy Enfield for USC just because Evan Mobley's been getting so much hype in the national media. I think it'll push it over. Do that you- one is going to send me over the edge. I'd be okay. I understand the argument for Altman. Uh, if if oh, Bobby Herbley's not going to win it, but yeah, Enfield no. could, and that one's going to really, really bother me. Honestly, they've struggled. They've struggled recently for sure. So I think that's really darkened their case because they're no longer they're not as uh, good as they used to appear. But I think just with all the hype around Evan Mobley, and if he gets like this kind of high draft position, or as they're talking about, I think that's going to sway maybe some voters. But you're part of the media. Can you tell us why you hate the Beavers so much? As in media, <laughs> uh, it's it's those colors. It's that orange and black. Pork that I, I just can't stand. You know, just an eyesore. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. that's like that's a common trope on our on our show, though, to talk about the Beaver, our perception of the Beaver bias in media, where we feel like Oregon State is always getting the kind of the underdog treatment in the. Even in the Northwest local media, do you as working in the local local media? What do you say? Is that true? Do you feel the same way, or is it all in our heads? You know, it's funny you bring that up because, uh, and I know you're going to get to this about the book I wrote. You know, Mad Hoops. <laughs> um, even going back to the '70s, you know, when I was working in Eugene, there was a there was a a major feeling among OSU people that that, or, that Oregon got you know, way more than their share. And, and a lot of it was because the, uh, the Dick Harder era at, at Oregon right. uh, was, I mean, it was really, it, it was really kind of an event. I mean, good or bad. And, and, and I mean, they didn't win more than Oregon state did. Or in fact, Ralph Miller, uh, you know, had, had, I think a 12 to 11 edge over Dick Harder in their, their hit, their head to head games. But um to get well, to, to really put a fine point on it, um, and I, I, I hope I'm not getting off the track here, but that you guys are aware of the the famous 
UCLA's lost weekend in, in Oregon in 1974. Where, that put them on the cover of Sports Illustrated, yeah. Yeah, yeah Oregon <laughs> goes on the cover of Sports Illustrated, whereas it was a Beavers the night before who had beaten UCLA and, and broken UCLA's 50-game conference winning streak. And so, so uh, uh, you know, Beavers get this great win. Ducks turn, turn around the next day back in the old you know they didn't have a day off in between back then mm-hmm. so the ducks win and and the the uh the the author of the story was a guy named Kenny Moore who who was a who was a great writer uh, he was a duck alum he was a, he was an olympic marathoner <laughs> and, and and so so Kenny Moore ends up writing the story and it it turns out to be you know, really, the story of the weekend was what the hell's wrong with UCLA? You know, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't the Ducks or the Beavers, um, but 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 Kenny wrote this story, and I know him, or you know, used to know him somewhat, and he wrote this story kind of centered on on Oregon and Harder and whatnot, and literally the Beavers got consigned to like, I'm not I'm not making this up, they got on a on a sports illustrated cover story they got consigned to like the last three paragraphs of the story mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and Oregon State people were so pissed off and and I mean I'll I'll run into people you know every now and then you know th- that I knew way back when like you know in Corvallis or whatever and we'll be talking about that weekend and they still remember that that's sports illustrated absolutely we hold on to those things yeah, <laughs> yeah. we definitely but it's been going on you know this this is almost 50 years ago that that weekend you're talking about and it's it's just been going on long long before any of us were around yeah <laughs> definitely yeah. yeah no it's i i hear you um well speaking of your book i know um there's a chapter in there that Sam loves with a story he's obsessed about. And um, we would love it if maybe we could uh, wrap up the interview with uh, you just kind of talking about it or playing it out there. I don't know if that's too much from your book, if you want to give it away. And at no. the end, we'll tell people where they can find it and whatnot. No, I'll be happy to, uh, to, to talk about any of it. All right. Well, Sam, I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So this is, I mean, I, I, love the the Oregon Oregon State rivalry history and this is one of the few stories I was not aware of until recently and then uh but I'll let you tell it but in the 70s the rivalry I think was a lot more visceral and violent than it is now I mean this was before the internet and when every game was on TV and so the the fan treatment the treatment towards the players uh was a little bit more dangerous I think you could say that it used to be and Dick Harder and Ralph Miller were kind of a part of that yeah, um, it it was, and I'm not overstating this for purposes of the book or anything like that. It was just, I've, I've told people this over the years that that basketball rivalry in that period was was like nothing else I encountered in in 45 years of newspaper writing. Um, it it was just, I mean, you know, you know, the the word hate is is thrown around and in you know sort of loosely even in in sports and but but the two fan bases literally hated each other and and a lot of it had to do with harder who uh you know who, who provoked uh, a, a lot of feelings just by the way oregon played you know that they were the kamikaze kids and they dove on the floor and and they played very very aggressive man-to-man defense very grabby and the games devolved into these foul filled 
things were, you know, just ridiculous amounts of fouls and free throws and whatnot. Um, but, but that seven year period, uh, all of which were harder against Miller, uh, you know, it, the games, the, there were incidents and, and stuff and, and, you know, just the, the whole vibe around it was unbelievable and, and stuff that you, Honestly, you tell people about it nowadays, and, and they look they look at you, and it's kind of like they don't believe you. You know, some of the <laughs> right. some of the stuff was so crazy. So, yeah, we can go into any and all of that stuff if you guys want to. So I the I think that my favorite chapter from it of what I've read of it so far is uh, what was it seventy four the year that he tripped a cheerleader? In, yes, in it was Hill. indeed. Yes, it was. Yeah, can we hear that? Can we hear that story? Take us through great. that. That was it, the game was about over with, right? The Beavers were just running out the clock. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's back in the day when uh, the the schools would play not only the two league games, but for a for a period of a few years, uh, they played a, a third game in in Portland, uh, and and typically it was it was during finals week for both schools where theoretically, you know, you were backing off practice a little bit and so forth. And so, um, anyway, the, the school that won the, uh, the school that won the season series would, would win the so-called chancellor's trophy or the chancellor's cup, which was this trophy with a, a gold basketball on the top. And so, um, anyway, Oregon state, uh, let's see from from the 72 73 season trying to remember who would who would have won it that year but anyway Oregon State uh in in the final game of 74 the third game you know Oregon State was was winning the game pretty handily at, at Gill and so the the OSU athletic director Jim Barrett uh comes out with the trophy and it, it's like in the last minute, I, I want to say it was like 14 seconds left and he comes out with the trophy and, and gives it to a, a cheer, an OSU male cheerleader on the, on the baseline. It's probably the same place where the today, where the cheerleaders hang out, you know, and um, gives him the trophy and says, Hey, would you give this to coach Miller when, when the game's over, it's um, you know, the, the chancellor's trophy. And so, so old Rick Cooten, who the, uh, the 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 cheerleader, and I think I think of his thought process was was all pretty logical here. He he's thinking, you know, what good is it going to do to to give Ralph this trophy? You know, the crowd's going to be filing out at that point, and and they probably lost some of the crowd anyway because OSU had had kind of dominated the game. You know, people were probably some people were probably trying to leave early and. So anyway, what, you know, what good would it do to give Ralph the trophy after the buzzer and whatnot? So, so old Rick Cooten thinks, gee, you know what? People need to see the trophy and exult in the moment and celebrate it and whatnot. So, so logically enough, so he he starts. Uh, there's a dead ball situation. Probably somebody gonna shoot a free throw. Um, and again, you know, Oregon State's got the game wrapped up and and. Uh, uh, so he he starts a jog around the perimeter of the court, you know, waving the trophy up to the fans, and the fans are all whooping it up. And Beaver's going to win the Chancellor's Trophy or whatever. And so um, they he makes the final turn around the uh, the perimeter of the floor, and and 
there is uh, Dick Harder on down on one knee where he he coached a lot of times. He 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 you know he put his knee on a folded up towel and it was a very familiar position. And so Rick Kooten runs by the Oregon bench and and he's not taunting Oregon. He's waving the the trophy up high and and lo and behold, Harder sticks out his other leg and, and intentionally trips <laughs> trips a male cheerleader. You know, it's unbelievable and. And there was never any pretense uh, uh, to get ahead of myself a little bit here. There was never any pretense that it was unintentional or anything. I mean, Harder <laughs> caught to it right away, and and eventually uh, sent Kooten a letter of apology, which you know a copy of which is in in the book, and um, and it and it and it got it got. Uh, I mean, momentarily, I, I was there that night, and and it got it was pretty ugly in the, in the, at Gill for a minute, it was the kind of thing that was, it was like a tinderbox. It, you know, if it, if there was a spark, it could have got really, really ugly. Like, you know, if, if some fan had run out onto the floor and, and accosted Oregon or, or, you know, done something like that. And then it could have really uh, sparked something, but nothing happened. You know, Ralph Miller took the mic and, and sort of told people to cool it and, and, uh, but anyway, the God Rick Rick Hooten went literally ass over tea kettle when he got tripped, <laughs> and, and the the trophy, of course, you know he he loses control of the trophy and the the ball got dented, you know, made a <laughs> dent in the ball. <laughs> so I mean, it was just that kind of stuff that went on in that rivalry. It was it was insane. Um, to it, it occurred to me that you know and it was thinking about talking to you guys that the other game, the other league game in the series that year at MacArthur court, um, the Beavers. So, so this would have been like six weeks before um, the Beavers are, you know, didn't have a great team. The ducks were kind of on the, on the climb, you know, they had a pretty young, you know, team that was seen as being kind of uh, on the, on the move. And, but the Beavers are leading them by, by like seven with like eight minutes to go, pretty much in control of the game. This was back before the three-point shot, of course. And um, so Oregon gets a uh, – there was some sort of a, an official's call, and, and Dick Harder, the Oregon coach, um, grabs a towel and starts, you know, and, and holds it up and, and waves it and give with the other hand gives the choke sign to the <laughs> officials – and so, so each each of the the two well two officials in those days, uh, each official gives Harder a T. I don't know why that happened, but it, it's it's like in the newspaper accounts. The two guys there each give Harder a T, and and uh, and then lo and behold, there, there's 13 fouls called from that point on to the game, and 12 of them are on the Beavers. 12 of the 13. It's like. It's and, the and, beaver bias. It's the yeah, beaver bias. I guess so. Yeah, and and so uh, so Oregon comes back and wins the game. But I mean, it was like every OSU Oregon wow. game of, of that era had something just crazy and bizarre in it. Uh, that so is crazy. a new one to me. I I mean, you know, we've seen coaches get teed for whatever. Andy and I used to coach high school basketball at the freshman and JV level, and we both got them. But yeah, I don't. I never made the choking sign towards one while waving a towel. No, yeah. but it seems like it's pretty effective. Yeah, up here, I wish I had a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. 
And then, uh, and then I got to tell you about the, I mean, the first, the first recollection I have of, of how that rivalry sizzled in those days, the Harder's first year at Oregon was 71, 72. Okay. So again, they're finishing up a gill and, and Oregon had really had a miserable season a, because the, the style Harder implemented you know this diving aggressive style was so radically different and b didn't inherit a lot of talent and so they had a terrible season they went winless in the uh, in the in the old pack eight and so again 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 a, a male cheerleader enters the picture here so 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 like the game is winding down at gill and again this is 72 um you know, seconds left. It's it's a fairly close game, but OSU is going to win. The, the the male cheerleader somehow gets the uh, the the PA mic, and and says, "At Oregon State, you know, for all the crowd to hear, at Oregon State, we we believe in giving credit where credit is due. We we'd we'd like to uh, congratulate the University of Oregon on being the first Pac-8 team in history to go 0 and 14." <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean it was it was that was the way it was it was just uh just uh, insanity with that rivalry that's so great oh man but this has uh been an amazing interview we really appreciate this is honestly this has been so fun um can you tell people uh, the name of your book where they can find it everyone should go check it out it's a huge recommendation yeah yeah absolutely it's it's mad hoops and uh you can get it on Amazon or, or, you know, I'm sure most bookstores down in Oregon have it. Or if you have a favorite bookstore down there, uh, they can, they can certainly order it. Uh, it's, it's obviously, uh, it's, it's centered on, on the, the sort of the wacko tenure of Dick Harder at Oregon and, and the kamikaze kids. But as you can tell, it's got a, it's got a big slice of Oregon state flavor in it too. And, um, I'm, I'm sure the, uh, I'm sure Beaver people, especially people who might've sort of lived that era will, will enjoy it. It's, it's, I, I don't know. It, it's, I think it's pretty entertaining. Yeah. We think it's intense now, but I can't really picture Dana Altman ever physically striking a cheerleader <laughs> or Wayne Tinkle making a choke sign when he loses his, his temper with the referees. Uh, no, definitely not. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful bygone era that's fun to revisit. So highly recommend this book. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for being on, bud. Okay, guys, it was a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you, bud. All right, thanks. We just want to give another shout out to Bud Withers for joining us. That was an awesome interview. Hell yeah, Bud is the man. I uh, aspire to be that cool. At his age, honestly, I in in, in our er, my world, yeah, he writes about old college basketball and seems to watch a lot of hoops. That's about as cool as you can get. Yeah, he's the guy. He is he is the guy. We'll definitely try and get him back on at some point in the future. Absolutely. All right, so let's close out with a little bit of shout outs. Uh, any shout outs, Sam? Um, well, so we've been hating on on the Ducks. We're getting you set for for sunday um the 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 women's team beat them earlier today and so we will say it again at the end but fuck the ducks once again great job um they've had uh we don't talk about the women's team 
much on that. We're going to do that a little bit on our next episode. But they, uh, Coach Ruick's one of the best in the country. We watch their games too. Um, there's just not enough time in the day to devote to all of it. Um, but yeah, they're having a hell of a season now that they're getting to play games again because they had a lot of COVID pauses. Yeah, but yeah, we beat the Ducks today. Hell yeah. Yeah, a Civil War victory for the Beavs. Good job, girls. Good job, ladies. They, uh, yeah, their season's definitely turned around. They had a tough time with COVID protocols. It was weird how that didn't like switch over to the guys' side, but I'm glad it's back and that they're rolling now. And yeah, one of the best coaches in the country, and really impressive how he was able to build that program up from what he inherited. Where the team, the year before he got there, what like ten players all quit the team. <laughs> it was a team of walk-ons. Like he, he started with nothing. He's he's really built it up. Yeah, I'd, Lavonda Wagner, um, her tenure makes jay johns look downright kind of smooth at least like the transition at least when jay john left was met with some enthusiasm i have a lavonda wagner story we'll tell it another time okay perfect um any other shout outs oh oh, yeah and then shout out to bud's wife who who put that all together because he's he told us he wouldn't have been able to figure out the tech stuff and frankly we probably wouldn't have either so so yeah thank you yeah, definitely shout out Bud's wife. Thank you for the help. Um, I had one shout out. I just want to give a shout out to Ken Palm um, because Oregon State is ranked 96th in the country. These are today's ranking. Utah is ranked 84. And I just got to ask you, Ken Palm, like, what do we have to do to prove to you we're better than Utah? You know? Exactly. I mean,. And what he would say, I know what he would say, Andy. He'd say, don't lose to Wyoming and Portland at home. And that's a fair answer. But, but like, how long are you going to throw it in our face? What do we have to do to show that we've changed as a program, that we're not the same team that we were in November and December? I hesitate to say this, but I'm starting to think that Mr. Ken Palm is not watching every single college basketball game each week. Which is, yeah, I mean, I don't want to consider that but i think i'm there with you too andy it's starting to seem like maybe we watch more pac 12 games than watch ken the, palm does watch the games ken or at least toss us some money so we can advise you on on the rankings because they're all wrong they're all wrong for the pac 12 exactly bill walton went on a wonderful tangent during the oregon ucla game about about how lame the big east is compared <laughs> to the pac 12 and ken palm probably didn't see it yeah, he didn't. Definitely not. Ken's out. I mean, he's probably a family man. Ken, I'm sure you're doing fine, but just accept our help. Please. Um, and then the last thing we do, this isn't a uh, shout out, but just a request. Um, if you like this podcast, go ahead and give us a review. We had a friend of the podcast write a really long, somewhat scary, <laughs> intense review. And I know it's probably putting other people off, but you know, like we alluded to last week, me and Sam both do comedy to varying degrees, and that means we crave validation. So if some strangers on the internet could please write a couple of nice words about the show, if you like it, that would be amazing. Follow the Twitter, tag us in a tweet about how awesome it is. We've been getting a little bit of positive feedback on the Twitter, and so thank you to all of you doing that. But also more, please, just, as, as Andy is saying. Just know we're addicted to it. <laughs> right, it's not enough. We do this. We don't do this for money. We do it for the approval of strangers in Albany. Right. And and we don't. Yeah, we have some. So we need more now. That's how it's always going to work. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I guess there's only one thing left to say. Um, fuck the ducks. Fuck the ducks. <laughs>